Welcome to another episode of the MMA Lockcast. I'm your host, Manpreet, aka MMA Lock of the Night, and your boy on Twitter at MMALOTN. This week, we are still in the studio. I know it's been a couple episodes since uh, I've been in Big Rob's studio, but there's just been a lot of scheduling conflicts. Uh, your boy's prepping for a wedding, so I've just been busy planning that as well. And on top of all the school stuff, it's tough to get down to my boy Big Rob's place, but thankfully that's the reason I've put the studio together. So I'm able to still pump out some episodes for you guys in a timely fashion. Um, next week, though, 150,000%, I'll be back at Big Rob's place. Uh, I'll be calling in a guest as I normally do for pay-per-view uh, episodes and I have a pretty special guest lined up for you guys and I can't wait for you guys to see who it is uh, but I'm excited to get that episode going as well but it feels like forever since I've done a fucking Lockcast episode so I might be a little clunky in terms of getting my shit back together but uh, I'm, I'm here for you guys and I appreciate everybody always checking out the episode as they always do uh, even during this unfortunate and shitty uh, little stretch that I've been on myself um, yeah, it's been a little rough. <laughs> Let's put it that way. So uh, currently on a three-event losing skid, which is really, really shitty. The last one was minus 0.11 units, so I was down very, 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 very minimally, I should say, um, but still down nonetheless. Um so let's quickly go over that. Uh, we are here to go over, obviously, UFC DC, which is headlined by Alistair Overeem and Jerzinho Rosenstrike. Uh, very excited for that. You know, it came together pretty short notice due to the unfortunate events that's been happening with Walt Harris and his family. Uh, prayers go out to him, you know, very tough time. And uh, I'm still pretty pissed off regarding that. You know, like, it's 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 such a sad story. And, and to have such careless and fucked up people out there, it's very enraging, which is why I'm still pissed off. So I really hope that they come down hard with the death penalty for this guy, where even if he's locked up for life with no chance at parole, I'm happy with that as well. But fuck that guy and fuck these people that are just absolutely inhumane and, and just ridiculous. But let's let's get back onto the lighter note. Let's let's get into this um to this episode but first and foremost let's get into my uh recap of the last betting event it feels like ages ago since ufc sao paulo which is the last event that we had um again like i said ended off minus 0.11 units very very small loss um so let's go through it my dog of the night play at one unit at plus 252 on paul craig over shogun hua if you guys watched the Deciding Splits show, uh, you guys saw that we actually had that fight scored a draw uh, with a 10-8 round for Paul Craig. Uh, regardless, uh, they had it uh, scored very differently, uh, but still came out with a draw. So that, that ends up being a push. We get our one unit back, and then let's go to our uh, lock of the night play, which was uh, Antonio Hoyo and Andre Munez uh, under two and a half rounds. Um, oh, wow. I just realized that my, uh, bet MMA tips actually has it screwed up. So I wasn't down 0.11 units. It was actually, uh, minus 2.67 units. I'm not hundred percent. It, it was a loss. Let's just put it that way. I had four units in total at minus 117 and minus 141 ish. Had that averaged out on Antonio Hoyo and Andrew Munoz to go under two and a half rounds. You know, 
I don't know what the fuck to say about that. I thought uh, one of them was definitely going to be able to get the finish, whether it was Munez gassing from uh, continuously trying to take a Hoyo down and then a Hoyo capitalizing. But I really overestimated the amount of gas tank that a Hoyo was going to be able to have, uh, you know, going into the later rounds of this fight. Very unfortunate loss there. Uh, and then I had uh, the only winner of the night. I had a 1.5 uh, unit parlay at plus 110 for James Krause, who was originally supposed to be my lock of the night play, but I was just wooed so much more by the Antonio Hoyo and Andrew Munoz under that I managed to stay away from that, but still bet Krause in a parlay with Silva D'Andrade. That profited for 1.64 units. And then I had my Patreon Hail Mary parlay, which just whiffed by my lock of the night play. I went four four out of five picks I got right. And it was very, very shitty that it ended up being my lock of the night play, which busted that parlay. So all in all, minus 2.6, whatever units it was. Very unfortunate night there. Uh, but we got three unit, three fights, three events left for 2019 uh, I know I'm going to still be ending up in the red here uh, at the end of this calendar year, but uh, hoping to scrap back a little bit uh, and, you know, start start the momentum of the upswing and, and start getting my shit back together. Uh, you know, this three-week break or two-week break that we've had recently has been very, very helpful for me. You know, just getting my shit together, clearing my mind of MMA as much as possible in terms of studying and fight tape and all that shit. Uh, but here we are, we're, we're back in the thick of things, three straight events. And then we got another longer break after the Korea event at the end of the year. Um, and then we got what, three or four weeks without MMA going to be crazy, but I'm definitely going to be taking advantage of that time as well. Maybe take one week off and then just get back into it and, and just start trying to plot ahead. If you guys remember following my Twitter account, I did state that I would be, uh, you know, for my Patreon members, I'm going to start putting out early odds or at least projected odds. That I think odds should be for fights that were just announced just so that when odds do drop, uh, you know, my Patreon members are able to hop on any lines that seem a little bit too out of whack or much different from what I thought. Um, you know, I'll try to get my tape in as quickly as possible so that I can actually give legitimate odds in terms of what I truly think they will be, even with the type of research that I put in. Um, and I think that'll be very beneficial for anybody that hops onto the Patreon uh, page and helps your boy out. So we got that coming up. All right, let's get into the event that's going to be happening this coming week in UFC DC overall from top to bottom, a pretty fun card, you know, um, Mahmoud Muradov finally coming back a decent test and Trevor Smith for him. Uh, Bryce Mitchell versus Matt sales. You know, that fight's been sticking around the, the even money pretty much, uh, since the odds have dropped and it's a fun fight. Uh, Tiago Alves versus Tim Mead should be a great, great fight. Uh, Rob fun against Ricky Simone. That's one of my very, very much anticipated fights for this. Cody Stamen against Yadong Song. Fucking amazing fight there. Aspen Ladd trying to reclaim uh, her spot in the top of the bantamweight division after her falter against uh, GDR back in December or November. No, sorry. Back in August, I want to say, fuck, it's it's been a while. Uh, and then uh, Stefan Struve against Ben Rothwell, that's a whatever fight. Cynthia Calvillo against Marina Rodriguez is a phenomenal fucking fight. And then uh, we'll get to see if Overeem's chin will still be intact when he fights hard-hitting Jarzinho Rosenstrike, who's been killing it in his UFC career uh, and has a very stiff test in him uh, against Alistair Overham here. So very excited for the card overall. I think there's some prime spots here for us to to choose from in terms of betting. Uh, 
like I've been saying in past episodes or the last least month or so, I'm going to try tightening my ship up a little bit more. You know, one lock of the night play, one dog of the night play. I'll try to give you guys as much information and, and you know, how I feel on certain fights, even if I'm not betting them. And if I would bet them, if I wasn't as strict with my betting process as I am now. Uh, so just, you know, listen out for that. But uh, for this upcoming card and probably for the rest of the year, I'll only be doing one lock of the night play and one dog of the night play just just fucking tighten the ship up try to get back on track um and and just fucking you know i I was killing it at the beginning of the year and and i knew that i was uh, you know very good at this and could make this a very profitable venture but i start to get swayed by some value and i start to get swayed by other shit i'm just trying to block out all the outside noise and just hone in on the spots that i'm really really confident in and just banging on them and especially the underdog picks looking for that one that i'm really confident in and then pulling the trigger on them so i have a couple spots here that i'm very excited to to pull the trigger on uh i was you know a little bit hesitant in terms of what i would make the lock of the night play for for this weekend's event i have two in mind that i'm still kind of battling out but i think i'm leaning one more than more than the other thankfully for you guys i'll be going over both of those fights as they're both on the main card um but yeah, I think there's two very prime spots for lock of the night plays, but I'll only be pulling the trigger on one of them. So as I've been doing since November or so, I'll be giving you guys quick picks on my uh, on the prelim fights. Uh, I'll be dropping MMA Lockcast Plus episodes on the Patreon page for anybody that wants to, uh, you know, get a little bit more in depth on these prelim fights. Uh, I will be dropping for sure. Uh, one for Rob Fon versus Ricky Simone, uh, as well as Bryce Mitchell versus Matt Sales. Those are two I'll definitely be dropping within this week. Uh, and I might do another one. You know, if you guys hop on the Patreon page and suggest another one, I'll be more than happy to get into another fight for you guys. But in terms of this podcast itself, I'll only be getting more balls deep or in depth on the main card fights. Uh, but if you guys want that prelim shit, you guys gotta, you know, see me on the Patreon page is all I gotta say. Um, all right, so let's dig right into this card. Let's get into the quick picks real um, Start off with Trevor Smith versus Mahmoud Muradov. I got Mahmoud. Uh, Verna Jandiroba versus Mallory Martin. Mallory Martin coming in on short notice, so I'm going with Verna. Not obviously because of that, but super talented girl. Joe Selecki over Matt Wyman. Uh, Matt Sales over Bryce Mitchell. Jacob, nope, uh, Billy Quarant. Quarantillo versus uh, over Jacob Kilburn. Uh, Tim Means over Tiago Alves, though that's a fight I'd stay away with from strictly due to the gruesome injury that Tim Means is coming back from. Uh, Ricky Simone over Rob Font. Uh, and that pretty much leads us to our main card. So, uh, Cody Stamen versus Yudong Song. First fight on the card, uh, on the main card at least. I hope that these uh, stay intact at least. <laughs> the, the fucking... the the order of these fights stay intact, but the first fight should be a, a barn burner in terms of Yudong Song versus Cody Stamen. Great, great fight. Uh, stylistically, very fun. I'm super excited to see how it plays out. Uh, the odds are currently minus 200 for Yudong Song, uh, plus 170 on Cody Stamen. Let's start off with uh, Yudong Song. You know, this guy's been a prodigy ever since he came into the UFC. 15-4 and four record. Uh, was riding a three-fight winning streak before coming over to the UFC. And since then, has finished three out of four guys. Most recently, this absolutely annihilating Alejandro Perez uh, in the first round back in July. Um, I love what the guy has to bring to the table. He is very, very aggressive with his striking. He loves throwing, the, uh, throwing a right hook with the lead uppercut. Um, you know, he 
strikes just as well moving backwards as he does moving forward. Uh, he throws a lot, a lot of power, and he trains that team alpha male, so you know that he's constantly working on his wrestling and his grappling, which is probably going to be his Achilles heel in this fight. Not saying that Cody Stamen is going to be able to, um, you know, discover and and exploit that Achilles heel of Yudong Song. But I think that that's where the discrepancy is. I think that Yudong has much higher striking proficiency and is is, is much better and more aggressive. Uh, but I think that Cody Stamen will have the advantage with the grappling. I just don't know if he's going to be able to get this fight to the ground. You know, in the Alejandro Perez fight, we saw him struggle often. You know, his timing was very much on point when he was trying to get Perez to the ground. However, he was just he just was not able to complete the takedowns. Um, you know, he was very close at certain points, but uh, Perez did a good job of keeping his you know keeping the fight on the feet. I have seen Yadong Song in the fight against Philippe Mar- or Philippe Aranches. Uh, you know, being pushed against the cage, being, uh, you know, having takedown, takedowns attempted on him, but he was never really taken down. So, uh, you know, I think he's only getting better and obviously working at Team Alpha Male, they're constantly drilling that in him. You know, his striking is down. He shows absolutely no um, hesitation when it comes to trading in the pocket or even, you know, throwing heaters for punches. It's it's crazy the amount of damage this guy has taken in his career. He's only 21, if I'm not mistaken. Then again, we have no idea how old this guy is. He's, he's born in 97, according to Topology. But, you know, you don't know what these fighters who like to sometimes hide their age. Um, so, uh, you know, considering he's had 19 fights, you know, only being 22 years old, Cody Stamen coming in with 20 fights, uh, and he himself is, how old is he? He's 30 years old. So he has eight years on top of him, but he's only, you know, one fight ahead of Yudong Song. It's crazy. Uh, but Cody Stamen, you know, he is known as, as a wrestler, but his striking is not bad either. Against Alejandro Perez, he showed a great lead left hook. Um, you know, it really made Alejandro Perez hesitant in terms of coming forward and and trying to implement his own game. Uh, and then whenever Alejandro Perez was able to open up a little bit, Cody Stamen did a great job of changing levels and getting in on his hips and threatening for takedowns. Even though he wasn't successful in getting those takedowns, he was still making it hard for Perez to implement his game, which allowed Cody Stamen to get away with the unanimous decision victory there. Um, you know, in his Aljamain Sterling fight, he was just out grappled there. Aljamain Sterling was the better grappler, the much stronger grappler, and the better BJJ fighter as well, which ended up get him getting a knee bar in that fight. Uh, but he, he's had a pretty tough road. Tom Dukinwa, who was a great prospect back in 2017. Brian Caraway, who was up there at a point in time, and then obviously losing to Aljamain Sterling, and then rebounding with a victory over Alejandro Perez. This is a tough fight to choose, you know. Coming into this, I I, I was expecting to to be backing Cody Stamen at dog odds, especially at plus one seventy. I think there is some value on him there, but I'm not hundred percent sure of how he's going to react when Yudong Song is actually you know stuffing some of his takedowns and then hitting him with shots, uh, you know, trading in the pocket and not being as uh, scared or I should say or as um, hesitant as Alejandro Perez was was to throw strikes. So. This is also the first time that we're actually going to see Yudong Sung up against a legitimate D1 wrestler. So even though he's working with Team Alpha Male, it's a different thing when he goes in there and fights a guy as good as Cody Stamen. I think the odds should be closer to like minus 170-ish, minus 175 for Yudong Song. So uh, honestly, I'm, I'm going to pass on this fight. And just with the question marks in terms of how he actually deals in fight with a guy uh, who has D1 wrestling to the level of Cody Stamen, 
it's keeping me away from this fight. Um, I'm not mad at anybody taking the shot at Yudong Song at the minus 200-ish range. I think he was at the minus 300-ish range at a certain point, and that was just far too wide. So, you know, touche to anybody was a, that was able to pick up Cody Stamen in the plus 240-ish, plus 230-ish area. But uh, I, I think it's should be close to minus 170, minus 175 for Song. Uh, but it's a fight that I'm going to stay away from. Just too many question marks for me to confidently pull the trigger here uh so i definitely like uh i'm, I'm gonna take Yudong song to win i think he's gonna stuff those takedowns from Stamen, land the bigger shots harder shots uh and just wear on statement which is kind of tough because Stamen's a guy that i was big on coming into the ufc and and i just love the style that he had coming into this especially mixed with his d1 wrestling but you know when you're coming up against a guy like Yudong song who shows zero fear to trade in the pocket and you know, very athletic, throws heat in almost everything, uh, and also trains that team alpha male and is working on his ground game and his and his grappling. It's a tough test for a guy like Cody Stamen. So um I'm taking Yudong Song probably to win by decision here, maybe even a third round KO. Uh but uh very, very tough fight and I can't confidently bet either side, which is why I'll be passing on this fight, but I'll be picking Yudong Song to win. All right, next up Aspen Ladd versus Yana Konitskaya. Odds currently sitting at minus 155 for Aspen Ladd, plus 135 for Yana Konitskaya. Starting off with Aspen Ladd, this is actually going to be uh, one of the lock of the night plays that I was considering. I love, 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 love Aspen Ladd style. You know, forward moving at all times, grapple heavy, great cardio, um, you know, can push the pace from bell to bell. Um, the only knack that I have with her is her lack of striking. You know, uh, Jermaine Duratomy put her out, not really put her out, but finished her in 16 seconds. But she eats way too many shots for my liking. You know, Sajara Eubanks was landing quite a lot. Um, Lena Landsberg was quite, landing quite a lot. But it all came down to Aspen Land imposing her will, moving forward, uh, eating those shots, still getting takedowns, uh, still getting better positions, and still winning. You know, Yana Kunitskaya on the other end, she's kind of, she's a kickboxer turned grappler almost. You know, in her last couple of fights against Marion Renault and Lena Landsberg, she was able to ride these fights out and win strictly off of wrestling. Uh, she clearly lost that third round to Marion Renault where she was getting battered on the feet. But I think that was in part to do with the fact that she was starting to suck wind a little bit. So I do definitely like Aspen Ladd to win here. Um, Minus 155 is not a bad price tag either. And she was hovering around the minus 145-ish range for a little while too. My only concern is her striking. Um, you know, Yana, I think she has the ability to kind of stick and move, not stick and move, but like land good shots, uh, you know, rack up some points, even if Aspen Ladd is continuously moving forward. Uh, but I think that once Aspen Ladd's kind of clasp her hands behind Yana, she'll be able to drag her to the ground and she'll always be one step ahead of her when it comes to the jiu-jitsu you know, say what you want about Yana Kunitskaya arm barring Tanya Avenger, even though it got turned over to a no contest. Yes, she is quite active off of her back, but I would give Aspen Ladd the edge when it comes to jiu-jitsu. She's always one step ahead of her opponents. It's crazy when she's going up against girls like Sajara Eubanks, you know, trying to threaten for a choke, an arm triangle or whatever it is. And then knowing she doesn't have it, she starts moving her hips, she starts moving her legs and starting to get those positions back like in terms of a full mount a, a dominant position considering that she'll probably be losing on the submission so she's very smart when it comes to the grappling aspects uh you know i'm not concerned that sajara eubanks was able to take her down right off the bat and win that first round against her 
Yana Kunitskaya might be able to do the same thing, but I think she's going to have a lot of trouble keeping Aspen Ladd down, keeping a dominant position against Aspen Ladd, uh, and then, you know, uh, trying to win the next two rounds. It, it's going to be very tough for me to see how Yana Kunitskaya does that. Um, you know, unless she, like, finds her striking self, like she was, you know, before she came into the Invicta and the UFC, you know, I, I it's tough for me to see a path to victory for Yana Kunitskaya other than her squeaking out two rounds, which I just don't see. Just the, the style of Aspen Ladd to consistently come forward and consistently push the pressure and push the pace it, it it's it's nonsensical for me to think that Yana Kunitskaya actually wins this fight. If anybody thinks that she's going to knock out Aspen Ladd, you know, tough luck. You know, Jermaine Duran and me put Aspen Ladd down, but she wasn't actually out, and she's never been finished. Like that was her only loss on her record. Yana Kunitskaya doesn't hit like a fucking Jermaine Duran and me either. So it's tough for me to see a a scenario where Yana actually pulls out the victory here. I think four pressure, constant grappling. Uh, you know, constant pressure from Aspen Ladd is going to get her the victory. And I think she wins this fight via uh, decision. You know, I think she's going to outgrapple Yana, maybe even get a third round finish. I, I'm not 100% sure, but uh, I definitely like Aspen Ladd to win. She's still in the running for a possible lock of the night play for me. Uh, you know, even though her striking is a little bit of a concern, but it's, 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 I love this spot for Aspen Ladd. <laughs> Plain and simple. I love this spot for Aspen Ladd. Um, and I'm going to be taking her to win. I would say it officially by decision. Uh, and there is still a possibility that she could be a locker than I play for me. But we'll see. Uh, so yeah, Aspen Ladd by decision. All right, next fight. Stefan Struve versus Ben Rothwell. For as long as you guys have been following me, you guys should know that I love, la 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 love, betting against Stefan Struve and love picking it against the guy. But I don't know if this is the, the spot for us. I said it the last time as well against uh, Hajiria de Lima. I passed on that fight as well, and thankfully I did. You know, Stefan Struve comes out there and gets the victory via arm triangle choke. But uh, Ben Rothwell, man, very, very much disappointed me against Andrei Arlovsky when he fought him back in... When was that fight? Uh, July. July 20th, he lost that. And believe it or not, Ben Rothwell is riding a three-fight losing streak. Junior Dos Santos, Blago Ivanov in a fight that I thought he actually won, uh, and then Andre Arlovsky. So tough test for both guys here. Uh, you know, Ben Rothwell has a lot to prove. Uh, he went out in that Andre Arlovsky fight and just got completely outworked. You know, Andre Arlovsky was putting the pace on him, <clears throat> landing more strikes, uh, moving more. Uh, you know, Ben Rothwell was just, you know, he has this herky-jerky weird style about him, but he's still... Uh, you know, he just wasn't throwing enough. He wasn't throwing effectively enough to get the judges nod there. Uh, and Andrei Arlovsky did a lot better um, than Ben Rothwell in that fight, obviously via, you know, him losing that fight. In this fight against Stefan Struve, you know, the, the the funniest thing about fucking Stefan Struve, if you guys watch that Delima fight again, literally the first punch Delima throws, he lands on Struve and fucking drops him and then rides out the rest of the round on top of him. <laughs> Insane to me. Like, this guy has the craziest fucking reach and is still like how many fights, how many years into his UFC career? Let's see. He made his UFC debut back in 2009. He's been in the UFC over 10 and a half years, closing in on 11. You know, February 2020 will be 11 years that Stefan Struve has been in the UFC, yet still has no idea how to fucking use his range, how to use his jab, how to keep the keep the distance between him and his opponent. And he continuously pays for it. So 
I think Ben Roth will have absolutely no issues landing on Stefan Struve here. I think that Struve is going to have a little bit of issues with trying to get Ben Rothwell down, trying to hurt Ben Rothwell. Um, I don't see Stefan Struve pulling in Andre Arlovsky and trying to outvolume this guy here. I think he's going to have trouble, uh, you know, implementing his game. And I think that Rothwell with his herky-jerky style will have a lot of success, you know, hitting Stefan Struve to the body. He showed decent leg kicks against Andre Arlovsky. Apologies. Uh, and, but, but again, I, I don't know how much Ben Rothwell has really regressed. He looked decent in the Blago Ivanov fight, but it was far, still far too close. Uh, and then he just showed even more regression in that fight against Arlovsky. You know, even at the regressed states, I still would pick Ben Rothwell to win here, which I am still going to do. And that, you know, the odds being at minus 140 is for Ben Rothwell. You know, it, it it's it's whispering to me. It's saying, hey, bet me, bet me. You know how much you like to hate and bet against Stefan Struve. Ben but I'm like, no, you know, what the fucking stretch that I've been on, this is too much of a risk for me. There are too many unknowns for me to willingly put money on Ben Rothwell to beat Stefan Struve here. And man, it's it's it hurts. It really fucking hurts to not bet against Stefan Struve here against a guy that I think is more than capable in Ben Rothwell. But just considering the his last performance, it's it's got me a little bit iffy. So I'm gonna stay away from this fight betting wise. At most, I might put Ben Rothwell in a Hail Ma- in my Hail Mary parlay. Um, but overall, I'll, I'll stay away from this fight, and I am going to take Ben Rothwell to win by decision. Uh, Stefan Struve is just, he, he, he'll he beat a guy like Marcus you know, DeLima, and he's lucky he didn't get knocked out in that first punch that DeLima landed on him. Uh, but I'm definitely taking Ben Rothwell to win here. Uh, I think he'll just eke out the decision. You know, a, a legitimate, unanimous decision. Uh, I think he'll win. Uh, and, you know, Stefan Struve hopefully probably hangs it up or even Bellator comes a call and, and they, they get him over there because that will be, you know, he won his last fight. And, and this could be also Ben Rothwell's last fight in the UFC too. If he falters against Stefan Struve, that's a very bad look and that's four straight losses too. So I don't know if he'll want to hang it up after this. Uh, he's currently sitting at 38 and Stefan Struve is 31. So, you know, Maybe Stefan Struve doesn't have to throw hang it up here. Maybe he can just go to Bellator, but we don't know about Ben Rothwell. But regardless, I am picking Ben Rothwell to win by decision. Just not confident in him, uh, but bet at your own uh, risk. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the Coleman event. Uh, people were giving this fight flack for being the Coleman event. Cynthia Calvillo versus Marina Rodriguez. I love the fight. I, you know, both both women are very, very entertaining. Uh, a little bit of contrast of styles here as well. Um, let's see what the odds are real quick. Uh, Marina Rodriguez minus 130, Cynthia Calvillo at plus 110. So let's start off with Marina Rodriguez. I believe I had a lock of the night play on Tisha Torres in her last fight. Um, and she went out there and absolutely murdered fucking Tisha Torres. You know, I will never take it away from Marina Rodriguez. She has great striking. She is very fun to watch. She has this, like, she has that old school Joanna vibe about her where she just has this killer instinct in her and she throws with absolute ruthless abandon. Uh, so I, I love her in that aspect. Um, you know, Cynthia Calvillo in her last fight comes out there and tries to be a striker, you know, throws a, a couple wrestling, uh, you know, a couple takedowns uh, attempts against Courtney Casey, but doesn't really finish anything there. Uh, so decides to, you know, mainly focus on the striking and she, you know, easily outstrikes Courtney Casey. But 
you don't want to have that type of game plan coming in here against Marina Rodriguez. If she keeps this fight on the feet, I think it's Marina Rodriguez's fight. No, no problems. You know, Calvillo showed great leg kicks in her fight. Uh, some good combinations. She still has some technique, technical things that she needs to work on against. Uh, you know, just with her striking alone. Uh, but you know, her her grassroots her. Her bread and butter is her grappling. She has amazing grappling. Her transitions are insane. Her submissions are insane. She's just one of one of the best, I'd say, top three girls in terms of grappling in that division. Uh, but, you know, that just depends on how bad she really wants to get this fight to the ground. Um, I think she's going to have a little bit of trouble getting this fight against Marina Rodriguez to the ground. Uh, you know, she had... Uh, Rodriguez had... Uh, was taken down by Ronda Marcos in that first round of their fight, was pretty much handled for that. Uh, and it was kind of sad, you know, she was taken down with a head and arm throw, which is kind of the weakest takedown that you can have, uh, but seems to work quite often in women's MMA. Uh, but I think she's kind of, you know, uh, worked that out. I think she'll, I don't think those are the type of takedowns that we'll see from Cynthia Calvio here. I think that we'll see her actually go for you know, legitimate single legs, double legs, probably try to push Rodriguez up against the cage and, and try to take her back. She did try that against Courtney Casey, didn't have the best success, uh, but I think she's really going to have to make Rodriguez work, use the leg kick, you know, stay on Rodriguez, uh, you know, make it a hard, tough fight. Don't let Rodriguez get comfortable, you know, moving forward and, and settling into her striking patterns. If Calvillo which I think she's more than capable of. I really like her, you know, her movement, her striking. Uh, it, it's decent, like it's good enough to get by. But if she f- just 100% relies on her striking like she did against Courtney Casey, she's going to lose this fight. And, you know, she might seem like a numbnut at times, but I think that she's smart enough to know that she's not going to go out there and outstrike a girl like Marina Rodriguez. Courtney Casey is a different case. You know, that girl is not the greatest striker. She's just not the greatest fighter in general. But... Marina Marina Rodriguez could legitimately strike. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna fuck this one's really tough and the line's really close and I have been tempted to possibly play the underdog odds on Cynthia Calvillo, but I've seen such good improvements from Marina Rodriguez that's making me tough to 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 bet or even pick Cynthia Calvillo here. I don't know. I don't know how I'm going to feel come Friday, which is why you guys should go to the Patreon and always watch my Friday thoughts, since sometimes they do change throughout fight week. Um, But as of today, I'm going to have to go with Cynthia Calvillo. Um, Rodriguez has shown great, great, you know, improvements. Uh, The Tisha Torres fight, you know, after watching it, you know, I, I it was pretty much a tailor-made fight for her Torres just had no answer for closing the distance uh but I think that Calvillo is going to be able to mix it up with her grappling a little bit better you know it has been over two years since or sorry just over a year since uh Rana Marcos was able to get that easy takedown against Marina Rodriguez and Rodriguez has shown immense improvements since that fight but I think that Calvillo is a different animal you know mix up her foot movement uh, with her takedown entries, I think that she'll be a little bit more successful. She may not be able to land those takedowns, but it may make Marina Rodriguez a little bit more skeptical to actually throw some of her strikes, get comfortable in her striking stances. Uh, and I think Calvillo could eventually maybe get this fight to the ground in the second or third round, uh, which would make things a little bit interesting. Uh, would she be able to get the submission? Probably. You know, she's that good at it. Uh, so I'll take Calvillo by third round submission, but fuck. Uh, 
I'll see if I get back into this fight and if I can drop something, a tidbit for you guys later in the week. But as of right now, I like Calvillo to win. Uh, but just just very hesitant to pull the trigger, even at the plus money that you're getting at, uh, with Cynthia Calvillo. Uh, Rodriguez is a bad bitch. And, uh, you know, she's rightfully the, the favorite here. Um, but I'm liking Calvillo to take the upset. Uh, but not 100% sure if I would better. So uh, Calvillo by third round submission, uh, but very, very tough fight to pick here. All right, let's go to our main event of the evening. Alistair Overeem versus Jairzinho Rosenstrike. Very, very excited for this fight. Um, I was excited for the Walt Harrison Overeem fight, but, you know, unfortunate shit happened. And Streps uh, Rosenstrike, you know, coupled couple of weeks notice too he just knocked out andre alovsky back at ufc 244 at the beginning of november so you know he's really really uh you know trying to stay active in 2019 alone he he made his ufc debut and then fought three times uh knocking out junior albini in the second round knocking out alan crowder with a jab in nine seconds and then putting out andre alovsky with the counter left hook in 30 seconds insane Absolutely insane work that we've seen from Rosenstrike. The little bit we've seen of him. Overeem, on the other hand, is coming off of two victories, both first-round finishes over Sergei Pavlovich and Alexei Olenek. Took his time to you know find his groove in those fights, and then eventually went for the finishes later in the first round. Uh, but this is a very, very interesting matchup, strictly due to the fact that they're both high-level kickboxers, high-level strikers, but... The differences, the grappling, the submissions, and the ground game here. Alistair Overeem, you know, what is that? He's at 50 to 62. This is going to be a 63rd MMA fight, and he's had numerous amounts of submissions. Uh, not as much in the UFC, but pre-UFC, he definitely put it on guys and, and you know, really showed his Brazilian jiu-jitsu in his top game. Uh, but... Uh, uh, I think that even though we haven't seen him pull off submissions recently, I think he's still going to have success against Rosenstrike here. So it's pretty easy. You know, you either get Rosenstrike to knock Alistair Overeem out within the first round or so, or Overeem eventually gets his fight to the ground. Even if he gets it in the first round, I think Rosenstrike has shown that he's a fish out of water when he gets to the ground. Just as he showed in that Junior Albini fight, it's more so how shit Albini was, which is why he wasn't able to finish him. Uh, compared to how good Rosenstrike was in terms of actually getting up and, and finishing him. I think if Overeem gets him down, Rosenstrike's not getting up. And I think Overeem is going to be able to either, you know, land big shots from on top or go for work for a submission. But either way, he's going to find the finish on the ground here. I'd be very, very surprised to see Alistair Overeem try to trade in the pocket here. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him play it a little bit safer in the first minute, sorry, maybe first half round, maybe two minutes, two and a half minutes, he plays a little bit safe. And we see Rosenstrike uh, maybe overextend on some punches a little bit, um, and, you know, trying to catch Overeem. Uh, and that might be the times where Overeem finds the takedown, gets him down, and then pounds him out. This is this is an easy fight for both guys in terms of what they should be doing to get the victory here, to secure the victory. Rosenstrike got to knock him out. Overeem's got to get him down. I don't know which one is going to happen, but I am very, 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 very happy with the fact that we are getting the under two and a half. At five, five times, it's minus 140. But at, last time I checked on Pinnacle, it was minus 120. And that is probably going to be my lock of the night play. You know, I got burnt on the under two and a half in the last event uh, with uh, Ohio and Muniz. 
But here, man, it just seems like a gift. Like, I am surprised that it's that much. You know, we may have seen Overeem play it safe a little bit in the past where he's taking guys down and and played it a little bit safer. But with Rosenstrike, I don't think he's going to do that. I think that Rosenstrike is going to try to take his head off in that first round. If he's not able to, Overeem is going to be able to get him down and find the submission or find the ground and pound. Easily pass Rosenstrike's guard. No issues. I, I don't see Rosenstrike offering anything off of his back. Albini was just horrible. He, you know, he got Rosenstrike down twice without much resistance, to be honest. And I think that Overeem will have much more success if he's really trying for takedowns, especially with working with Team Elevation and Curtis Blades. You know, they've definitely refined his entries and his takedowns uh, and his top position. And I think it's going to show in spades here. You know, as soon as Overeem sees the opening for that takedown, I think that's what we're going to see from him. And he's going to easily work from there, possibly get a first-round TKO. Maybe he's a la that Sergei Pavlovich fight. Um, you know, we're always going to get Overeem at these very close odds uh, due to the fact that there's always his chin issue. And I, I, I believe he still does have a chin issue, uh, which is why I'm not comfortable betting Alistair Overeem here. But I am more than comfortable betting the, the you know, the under one and a half it's kind of a gift, you know, minus 120 here. Uh, I'm I'm kind of split between Aspen Lad and the under one and a half in this fight. Um, I'm more than likely thinking that I'm going to do four units at minus 120 on the under one and a half here. You know, not the full five and not the lowest of the 3.5 units that I would normally do for a locker than I play, but I think four units is proper. Um, you know, more than enough value here. I expected it closer to be like minus 180, minus 200 under one and a half, but minus 120 is a fucking gift. Like, you got to be kidding me. I was very, very surprised that that's what the line is at. So I think that any possibility that this fight has will play out under the seven and a half minute mark. No doubt about it. You know, especially with Rosenstrike coming in on short notice. And he didn't have that long of a fight against uh, Arlovsky either. But we have seen from his fights that he wants to get fights done quickly and as quickly as possible. Just even looking at his record, he's only been to a decision once at Risen 10 back in 2008. Uh, sorry, 2018. But all of his other fights, first round, first round, first round, first round, first round. Second round, 54 seconds into the second round against Junior Albini. Nine seconds against Alan Crowder, 30 seconds against Andre Arlovsky. You know, it might go like into the three or four, or maybe, you know, the four-ish minute mark of the first round. But that's when we'll start to see Overeem open up, get the takedowns for sure. I will be surprised if we get the three and a half to four minute mark of this round, of the first round, and we don't see Overeem land a takedown. That would be very, very surprising to me because by that point, he must have been able to find some sort of entry or some sort of takedown to get Jarzinho down. And then from there, it's going to be easy work from him, in my opinion. You know, I, I am absolutely writing off Rosenstrike's game off of his back. I, I don't believe it in it at all. And we saw that in the Junior Albini fight. If Overeem had him in those positions, there was no way he was getting up, nor was he going to survive any of the bombs that Overeem was going to be throwing from on top to. So minus 120, even minus 140, which is at, at five times, fucking gift. Jump on that shit. That is the lock that I play. I'm I, Fuck, I hate, I hate proclaiming that that's the lock that I play, but I'm just, I am all over that. You know, I, I will probably play it or, or, you know, decide between Aspen Ladd and this line probably in the next day or two. Uh, but I, I want to be a little bit quicker just in case I missed that minus 120 at Pinnacle. Uh, but yeah, under one and a half here. I'll take over him to win by ground and pound first round or even submission, but I'm, I'm expecting him to get the victory in the first round here. Uh, and 
fucking cash this shit, baby. Got to get back on the horse. Got to get this W under my belt. And I think that this is uh, two perfect opportunities for Lock of the Night plays. Hopefully, I've picked the correct one. Uh, and then also, my Dog of the Night play will probably be either Calvillo or something on the undercard that I haven't really gotten into, but I will probably get into for my Patreon members as a Lock, LockCast Plus episode. So make sure you guys check that out. So that's pretty much it for this episode. It's nice to finally get back in the recording chair. Next week, I'll be back at uh, Big Rob's Place to record UFC 245 uh, podcast with a guest as well that I'll be Skyping in, hopefully, or calling in, whatever the fuck it is. Uh, so make sure you guys check that out. Website, MMALOTN.ca. Uh, the lock, uh, lock of the night challenge, uh, registrations have opened up for 2020. So for 2020, we're going to be doing from January 1st, all the way to June 30th. Uh, the UFC hasn't released their full first half of 2020 schedule yet. Uh, but that will definitely, you know, it will cover all six months. Uh, we're doing $25 buy-in as well as a hundred dollar buy-in for two, two different games. Um, you know, this first one has been a success so far. We got three events left. Uh, still some time for people to, you know, move around in the standings and get themselves into the money, into the top three. Uh, so make sure you guys uh, check that out. Hit me up if you guys want to sign up. DM me at MMALOTN on Twitter. I'll give you guys all the information you guys need and then get you guys signed up. And also, if you guys sign up before December 21st, which is the South Korea card, if you guys sign up before then, you guys will be eligible to win either a uh, MMA lock of the night shirt or a uh, mug where I have uh, MMA quotes on them. I have two of them left. One of them says, Thug Rose, Thug Rose, Thug Rose. And then the other one says, I can rest my uh, balls on your forehead. Shout out to anybody who knows who said that and who they said it to uh, because that's a fucking MMA quote for the ages. Uh, but yeah, that's that's the podcast for today. Appreciate you guys checking it out. Subscribe to the channel. Like the podcast or like it. Leave me a comment. Let me know if you guys disagree. Continue to shit on me for the shit record that I've been on recently. I'm fucking, I'm not going anywhere. I'm still here. Uh, and uh, check out the Patreon as well. Patreon.com slash MMALOTN. I'll be dropping a special locked-in episode next week for the pay-per-view just for my Patreon members. Uh, but there will also be a locked-in episode coming out this week and next week for our YouTube uh, viewers. So make sure you guys check that out. Uh, other than that, I'm out, and I'll see you guys next week. Peace.